0: Who invented the horse racing starting gate?
1: If you're involved in a long-distance relationship, have I got an invention for you.
2: This is Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn.
1: Plus, we'll answer your questions in the mailbag section, and we have a very special guest, Tim McGeary. You'll have no idea who he played for. And in the news, talk about squatters' rights.
0: Totally Useless Information It's everything you never needed to know
2: Innovation. Ideas, the Totally Useless Information Podcast presents
0: invention.
1: Did you wash your hands today? Let me, I,
0: I always wash my hands, Nick Okay, what kind of soap do you use? I use an antibacterial soap Plus, I also use a sanitizer. Is it a bar of soap or a liquid soap? I use liquid
1: soap. I'm glad you said that because if we would have said a bar soap, I would have been totally screwed because that's not what I prepared. It's liquid soap that I'm talking about. Okay. The, the first liquid soap was patented in 1865 by William oh, wow. By William Shepard. He's often credited for inventing it, but considering his patent was officially listed as improved liquid soap it's clear that there was liquid soap around already so we're not sure if he was the very first one but he's one of the first ones who patented it and what he did was he dissolved one pound of solid bar of soap in water and then added 100 pounds of ammonia until the liquid thickened to the consistency of molasses
0: ah that was pretty smart i guess
1: there you go so william Shepard and the liquid soap
0: there you are Hey, listen! I can't wait for the our guest that's coming up, Tim McGeary He's a great singer songwriter. Yeah, we're getting some him. really great guests on the show.
1: They are, and we're, I'm looking forward to it because i have always fascinated. I want to ask him. You know, I always wanted to find out, like, do you write the lyrics first or do you write the melody first? Because I, I've heard so many different things. So let's uh, hopefully he'll answer that. Hopefully he'll yeah, talk to he, me because I think he knows he you. Got
0: some he great knows songs you. Yeah. To Really, really great stuff. And and over, I don't even know how many years. I don't even want to say. All right. Okay, the paperclip. Oh. I just did my taxes. Okay. And you know how you rummage through the door? You, you draw, you can never find the paperclip. Yeah. Or a rubber band when you need them. Yep. But then I said, okay, paperclip. Who invented the paperclip? So nice, nice. It was invented by Johan Valer from Norway. He's a Norwegian. In 1899... There was no patent laws in law in Norway, so the man couldn't patent it in 1890. A year later, he went over to Germany, where he patented it in in Germany.
1: Now, when he had many many forms of uh, for him to fill out for the patent, did he use a paperclip to keep them together?
0: No, but he he patented it in Germany, so. Deutschland, Deutschland. i was waiting for it
1: every time you mentioned germany he sings the national anthem uh now uh, have you ever put out fires in your uh, in your life
0: Yes, actually, I I had a house that went on fire. I never got to put it out, so oh. it was not very good. <laughs> but did
1: you did you try to use a fire extinguisher before you call the fire department? I
0: have used many fire extinguishers, being in the restaurant business.
1: The first fire extinguisher. The reason why I'm asking is not because I, you know, I want to pry into your life. But the first fire extinguisher of which there was a record that was patented in England in 1723 by Ambrose Godfrey.
0: He and was, trust me nick knows he took the paperwork in for the patent i did 1723
1: <laughs> and you know who the clerk behind the counter was roy uh, <laughs> it consisted of a cask of fire extinguishing liquid which contained pewter chamber of gunpowder on flat so it was a cask of fire extinguishing liquid which was a pewter chamber of gunpowder in 1863, the first That's fire... That's not a very good thing to be
0: holding during a fire. Well, it's not, but at the
1: time, this is what he just thought. just bring
0: this dynamite with And me. the
1: thing was, he was a celebrated chemist. I don't know how long he was a chemist for
0: after he invented the extinguisher. Boy, I'll tell you, after he invented that, his career just blew up. It <laughs> did. Boy, uh, boy, I feel
1: you're hot today. Uh, in eighteen, <laughs> in February of 1863, however, the I'm first... I'm on
0: fire, Nick. You are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, there you go. Bring some marshmallows. In, 18, <laughs> in 1863, the first fire extinguisher that was patented in the United States was Allenson Crane of Virginia. His, his invention was the tube container was a step up from the fire suppression glass grenades that they used to Ooh. use, which was the most popular form of emergency firefighting. So no more glass grenades, thanks to Allenson Crane of Virginia in
0: 1863. Cool. sinoacrylate acrylate acrylate Sure. sinoacrylate acrylate Sign me up. Was invented to put between two prism glasses to shine light or lasers through. These scientists were tasked to put these um, prisms together so they could shine light through it. Yeah. So the it, the stuff that they needed to adhere these prisms together had to be clear and allow the light to pass through. When they tried to separate these prisms, they realized it wasn't happening. The stuff that they invented, the cyanoacrylate was just like a super glue and super glue was invented. <laughs> wow.
1: So do remember the the first commercials when it was crazy glue's one of the name, name brands. Uh, there was yeah. a construction worker who had who put some crazy glue on the top of his hard hat and it was dangling from a from an iron beam. I remember that commercial. Yes, back in the yes. 80s.
0: and Nick tried it and that's how he fell on his head. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it just stuck. Nick didn't need the hard hat. He just glued his head to it. <laughs> and it just stuck.
1: So here's my <laughs> teaser. So, in case you're, uh, those of you who are in a long distance relationship, you're thinking, you know, I really miss my partner. was so far away, you know, but thank goodness for a group of Chinese university students, they invented the lip shaped piece that uses sensors to imitate the pressure, movement, and temperature of a person's lips. This and is a, what
0: is this for? A long distance relationships to speak to each other? No, or? no, no,
1: no. The remote kissing device oh. is made of silicon in the shape of a mouth, allowing partners mm-hmm. to mimic the feeling of a real smooch because it 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 was warm right and well, i guess wet oh, yeah. i guess, yeah oh yeah yeah That's, it, was, it yeah, was
0: keep going nick yeah <laughs> listen keep it going. was probably this show will not be pg pretty soon <laughs> listen
1: it was probably created with all the good intentions but a lot of people are creeped out by it online now i can't mm-hmm. play it because we don't have permission to do it but i know that i'm a big fan of the big bang theory and the uh, two of the characters invented this kissing machine so this was I don't know maybe almost a dozen years ago now or so but they had this ingenious idea but these Chinese university students have actually done it it's a lip-shaped device they can help mimic people who are in long distance relationship you can it feels like you're kissing your next best friend yeah
0: Okay, here was my teaser. The horse. horse. Are you interested? I just went on. I was like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Any day now, I'm going to tune in with Nick, and he's going to have one of these things in the background. It's just going to (laughs) get the hell out of me. He's distracted. i would be like, he's gone too far now. (laughs) (laughs) Pow, right in the kisser. Yeah. Okay. The horse racing starting gate. Who invented it? It was my teaser. Yeah. And Nick, it was invented by a Canadian. Oh, yes. His name was Philip McGinnis. He was a racetrack reporter who was tired of the fights over the starts. People would argue and say it was a false start. Your horse went first. He shouldn't have gone, so on and so forth. So this guy, Philip McGinnis, said, I'm going to invent something that will start every horse race. The gate will open and they'll be able to start all at once. So, Philip McGinnis, racetrack sports reporter, invented the horse racing starting game.
1: You can go to nickandroy.com and visit the uh, Nick and Roy store. Why,
0: Roy? Or, or you can go right there on nickandroy.com and click on birthday messages. Go to the Nick and Roy store. You just click right there and look up birthday messages. Mm-hmm. The greatest gift that you will ever give to someone. Trust me, there's a sample on there. You just hit it. We do a mini show for that special person in your life. They will go crazy. They send it to everybody. They call everybody up. Listen to this. Listen to this. You know, it really is cool. And, and it's great. And you can also get on our newsletter and where we talk about a lot of personal stuff. And, and I'm not talking about that rash on Nick's back. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, go to NickAndRoy.com. There's a lot of stuff going on there.
1: You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy.
2: From Beethoven <laughs> to nice. Bieber. Rock and roll <laughs> to rhythm and blues. This is Totally Useless Music Information with Nick and Roy.
1: Do you like how I play the piano there, Roy? The, you, I, <laughs> since last time you we did play
0: music. The, He's a liar. He did not play. So uh, he plays by ear. Literally, smashes his head against the keys. Well,
2: Uh, that's not the first time. I saw that dent. I saw that dent. Okay, yeah, it explains lots in
0: his his head. Right? Yeah,
1: E flat for sure. Oh, yeah, it is definitely flat for sure, uh, 100%. So if you're wondering, wait, if this is Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, there are three voices I hear. Now, I hear voices all the time, but we welcome to our studios today <laughs> the wonderful, the great Tim McGeary. Tim, welcome to Totally Useless Information with Nick and
2: Roy. I I love it. I love Totally Useless Information. Wow, I have, and I have plenty of that too. Trust me, as a parent, I, I
0: have to confess that I know Tim for a long time. Yeah.
1: Is that part of the useless information he's talking about?
0: Yes, knowing <laughs> Tim, knowing Tim has been useless all these years.
2: <laughs> I did get a song in the movie, though. Yeah, I saw right. yeah. When yeah. when
0: when I made a movie in two thousand and nine, I had gone to hear tim play a number of times right and right. he had this song that stuck in my head and i had to have it so i said to tim tim i'm making a movie i want to do this retrospect scene can you put <laughs> can i use the music and he was like sure no problem and that's it yeah. that's how i met tim
1: well that's pretty cool that that's really nice maybe one day when i write a movie then maybe maybe you can uh i can ask for your music but in the meantime yeah. here's a little bit of a sample of what you do Thinking Pretty cool stuff now i'm a little confused though and it doesn't take much Roy told me <laughs> that you're a like a country and well, western tim songwriter is,
0: go, tim has gone through some some different genres you know yeah. when i first met you tim you were doing more like uh ballads and country type stuff and
2: yeah tell, tell uh, us
0: what you're doing
2: now well i mean i'm basically i'm working like you know I, i've really uh, got my during the covid thing i sort of developed some stuff and got a studio going and so i'm like you've been working on that so now i'm producing people like from like in scotland and denmark and uh the country of georgia uh mexico you know and the police in the states the girls here uh missy balsam uh got three singles with her um so i've been doing a lot of that but i do you know i was I basically an, an 80s, 80s rock show. I was in a band called The Rescue, we used to open up for Duran Duran, Billy Idol, and all those people, like, for about two years, we did 525,000 seaters, and it was really, way fun, you know what I mean, we were like, we never headlined, though, we always opened, we're like, we're the greatest opening band that ever lived, you know, because, (laughs) we never got a, we never got a headline slot, but, you know, I mean, how cool, you know, our manager put us a terrible tour one time, and it was like, every club owner was like, the worst, the worst, and the rest, and, um, and then so we came back. We're like, man, what the hell was that? You know that 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 three month tour was like the tour from hell. And he goes, stop crying because in two weeks you're at Brendan Byrne Arena, opening for Duran Duran. So we went from like crappy club to twenty five thousand seaters, and then you know, and I mean, and just went on and on and on. So it was really great. I'm, mean, you know, it was like it was my dream. I mean, I'm a kid from Jersey. Okay, sorry, you know, I know you're New Yorker, so like you're gonna go like Jersey yeah. boy, but yeah, watch um, we know
1: where you parked your car. Go on
2: yeah you know I so, <laughs> so 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 but the thing is um you know they sent us to England to do the record and that was like oh my god it was like it was like your dream like okay we're sending you yelling and we go I'm gonna go to London you know and we did a Sarm East we had a it was a the guests had just finished the owner of the lonely heart you know owner of the, the lonely
0: lonely. Heart. yeah yeah
2: the, the day they walked out the day we walked in so it was cool. Yeah, know, it was really fun. Cool. Yeah. So
1: let me ask you this. So uh, do you prepare differently for a, a crappy club versus a 25,000-seater? Like, do you
2: prepare your, your material no. differently? You just no. wear
0: different pants. <laughs> no, no.
2: I tell, I, you know, it's, I tell these guys all the time. I say, like, um, uh, every time you play, if it's in front of three people or, tw- you know, 30,000, you bring it every time. Yeah. A classic example is uh, police came in and they did, a, they did a show. And it was, like, in, in upstate New York. Four people showed up. It was a blizzard, but out of the four people it was one of the number one DJs in New York City, and he heard the song Roxanne. Well, the rest is history. Wow. So, so you know, no, and I've had situations like when I was in Nashville. That was I went,
0: totally useless, Nick.
2: Yeah, it was useless. hundred percent. Yeah. I had, I had, I had, I had one time. I had this. I had, my friend said, "Hey, you want to come up and finish this this open mic with me or whatever?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll come up." And I had done like three co writes, so my brain was frazzled. So we got up. We did about six, seven songs. And then um, came out. Uh, we finished. We got the guitars on our back, and seven women and a guy walk in. They go, "Hey, we really want to hear some music," and I'm like, "Oh man, you know." But I said, "Okay, let's do it." So I said, "I'm not going to the PA. You just put your chairs around a circle. I'm going to sing you some songs," and I did. So I give him a CD and one seat. I give one seat to this one lady, and she goes, "Oh, I didn't want to tell you, but I work for Luke Bryan. And what song on your CD you want me to pitch?" So the moral of the story is, you know, you whatever. Every time you play get an opportunity to do it. And every time you do it, you you bring it 100%. And you never
0: know who's going to be out there.
2: You never know, man. That's it. It's the perpetual, it's a perpetual audition, right? You just are always ready. You never know. I even got a, I got a better story. So we're Neighbors and Allies. We're in CBGBs. We were, we're, we were, uh, I love
0: CBGBs. Yeah, yeah. We played (laughs) them.
2: Hilly Crystal loved our band. So what happened was, we were voting for Richard Hill and the Voidoids. They were like a punk band, you know, uh kid Replaceable Head, Love Comes in Spurts, all these kind of stuff. And uh we said, hey, listen, we these do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. So if we do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we will roadie for free and you can have the whole door. Well he's like sure, man, do this, you know, free. Cool. So and there were he's good friends with like Jimmy Destry, you know, from Blondie, the keyboard player, and um, you know, the guys from Talking Heads. So we go on a Thursday night, you know, and we and we came back and like can came, you know, after after our first set, like they're like, uh like you guys are like really good. Like what the hell? Like, you know, he thought we would be like a shit band, you know? Excuse my French. Oh, that's okay. okay, we're bilingual. So, I'm, I'm Canadian. Yeah. And we're good. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? You know, shit stands for right? Shipping in high transit. Just want to know that useless information. It, there you go. Steve. There you go. go. Listen. Yeah. That's
1: why we say Tim, listen, laugh, and learn.
2: That's right. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So. So what happened the next night we came out we finished our set and we had a friend of ours that was um from a band called magazine a road manager and he was staying at our band house and he goes i will do the roadie because david bowie wants to meet you and we're like what like we're like you know huh? so, so we go out there Coolest guy sat down had some beer we talked about music and all kinds of stuff he said you, he pointed me, he goes you really want to be a rock star i go yeah yeah i do so um But the cool thing is the end of the night he was leaving and he asked the doorman, he goes, what's that opening band getting paid? And he goes, Oh, they're not. And he goes, yeah, they are. He took $900 and paid us. Wow. Yeah. And and, and any, I mean, I know, I know. And uh, so, so uh, I never forget it. It was just like, you know, and so the thing is, and anyone I've known that worked with him, they said the same thing, just an awesome person, you know, just like, you know, so you definitely
1: have what it takes, right? So, um, do
2: you have any siblings there, Tim? I was the oldest of 10. Okay. Ten. Five, Ten. Sisters, five, wow. five sisters. Five five sisters they married. Oh, it's yeah. a funny thing, Irish thing. Oh, the girls, were they Mary. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, like wow. 10,
0: 10 kids never had a TV in the bedroom. in the Madison That's right. TV. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> no yeah, TV for the first 20 years of marriage here in now. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and they are Catholic after
1: all. So they use the uh, rhythm method, and then you took rhythm yeah. to a whole other level, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the rhythm method was one after another. After, after another. <laughs> I swear,
2: I, to the day I was 15 or 16 years old, was always a crying baby in my house. Always. Oh, i was like you know it's was just like i was like and i and actually i went down like when i was 15 i went down to jersey shore with a friend of mine and then i ended up staying there and i was at this captain eckles was funny it was like an old coast guard station and they made it into like sort of like a i had a, a 10 dollar. i slept in the basement with four other guys in these rooms right mm-hmm. and where I was, was that,
0: like, seaside? that no, was seaside no
2: beach ha- beach haven beach ha- ha- yeah okay. no, beach and so um and uh but the thing was so i was 15 years old i was like probably this I looked like I was like twelve, and uh, and the, and there was all different lifeguards standing there. And every time a new crop of girls would come in, they go, "You know, Tim's a virgin."
0: Oh, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I came back after like my my mom goes. Something's different about you. I go, yeah. And Dad, the priest thing—it never happened ever. No, no, no. That is he's not going to happen. Dad, I'm going straight to hell. Uh, yeah, I'll go straight. To hell. And, and here's a miracle—I'm still a virgin.
1: I mean, go figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. So now you know Roy, and and Roy has claimed that he knows you. So, um, <laughs> blo- <laughs> so you know each other for for a while now. Roy has has dabbled into uh, more than dabbled. I mean, Roy's a performer, and Roy has written some country songs. He's he's played some of it it's really incredible stuff so mm-hmm. when you and roy sit down and get together so how do you guys collaborate on something because you have talent roy has talent how is it that you guys can collaborate on, on a song and, and make it sound good
0: i listen to what tim's telling me <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> smart man the, the thing is when you do the co-write, it it is it is a basically a skill and what a lot of it is do is like you know one thing is egos out the room you know what I mean? You don't bring the ego in the room like, you know, like that. Yeah. And yeah. what you try to do is, like, the best thing is, like, how do we get this song to sound the best we can sound it? What can we do? We might have make some changes. We might need some lyrical stuff, you know, stuff like that. And, like, the thing is, when I went to Nashville the first time, you know, the first, you know, when I was up there, it was like, I'm a songwriter. I had a record deal. I know what I'm doing. Dude, I was, like, totally schooled. Like, son, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. let me show you how it's done. And it took me really... And luckily I had some really good friends that that I made up there and they were like, they, you know, they schooled me through, but it took me a couple of years to like really get it. And I wrote this song, American Made, which has been cut a bunch of times by different people. And that's the sort of, when I, when I did that, I go, I get it now. I'm getting what they've been telling me, my furniture in the room and all this stuff, you know, like, you know, see the video and, uh, you know, make a story that like makes sense, you know, like that. Um, you know, I was a rock writer. Yeah, you, you know. have to make anthems with rock and right. with country, and you have to tell a story. Tell the story, so yeah. But it really, but really helped me out. I mean, like, I think my lyrics are better than ever. So, I me mean, you know, he had a good idea, and he had this thing he was telling and he sold me some chords, and so we just rearranged a little bit, and then I did a track for him, like, so, we, so we're still in the middle we're of that. We're
0: actually working on it right now, Nick. Right, right when now, we're yeah. done, we'll, we'll play it when we're done.
2: Yeah, it'll be cool. <laughs> That's great. So what inspires you to write a song?
1: Like, is it something, like, if you walk on the beach, because uh, you live down in, in Florida where Roy is, Do you walk (laughs) on the beach holding hand in hand with Roy? Do you like uh, watch the sunset? Like what inspired you to write? That's a
0: good question, Nick. That's great because I have never asked him that question.
2: That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Do
0: you write from experience or do you write because you got a good idea?
2: It changes. Okay. Like I have this one song called Three Shots of Whiskey, right? And Two Shots of Gin. I'm in I'm in uh, Nashville before my right every day with my right I take this walk on this little mountain trail it was really nice it's a beautiful spring day you know leaves are green you know like the first day of spring it's like oh yeah you know like breath and green and oxygen and I'm feeling good and what comes to my brain is three shots of whiskey and two shots of gin Mm. where did that come from I can't even tell you Uh, another one like was fun like this one called feed that dog my friend got married his old grandma went to the new bride she's like now, darling, she goes. You want to have a long and happy marriage? And of course, the new bride's like, "Well, yes, ma'am, I do." Well, honey, I'm going to tell you the secret. She goes, "You don't feed that dog at home. He'll be digging in the trash." I went, "Oh my God!" I wrote that right down. Digging in the, you know, and that one song I was there for you. The one that I think you play a little bit at of. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, a friend of mine was in a really terrible accident, and he wasn't really hurt, but the person that was like this kid on this motorcycle going like 120 miles an hour, he was, you know, all drugged up, you know, it was and he hit mm. his truck and it was an awful accident. You know, his head came off. That's how bad it was. You know, wow. and this guy was this guy was traumatized. I mean, you know, because he's never saw anything like that. I was a paramedic and a flight medic for twenty three years, so I've seen that a bunch of times. But for him, so I called him every day, you know, like we talk about it, you know, because I know a lot of that. Like that, you know, we used to do a thing called critical listen and stress debriefing, C.I.S.D. And what it is is basically when you have things like that, you see, you got to talk about it. You have to yeah. say it and say yeah. it. So. So that yeah was it's that.
0: funny I get that that you know a, a lot of people will say that like my wife will say to me what did you write that about and it's like N- I don't know I just thought it was a good idea to write it and, yeah. and it just came to me it's not like a life experience type thing you know And right. but sometimes I agree with you sometimes yeah. uh, I wrote that uh, song called Reflection in my whiskey and Nickel right. because we had a bar and and there right. was this old guy that used to come in every day and Johnny G was the bartender he'd serve him every day and then the guy he he was just this lonely old guy that would come in every day have his couple of shots of whiskey and he yeah. just stare at the stare at the drink and 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 eventually he doesn't come in and we found out that he died you know but yeah. again nobody cared that he died because it just you know, he yeah. just was that guy that came in every day and stared at his whiskey, you know? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, you, I mean, you, and
2: sometimes music does it to me too. Like I hear like something and I hear music and I just something comes to me. You know, uh, lyrically, you know, just the the vibe of the song. That's know,
0: like. why I write mu- music for porno films. Right,
1: chicka wow wow. In fact, wow so, wow. <laughs> so Tim, one of the many one of the many topics. I think seventeen or eighteen topics that we cover here. On you're listening to Totally Useless Information, by the way, with Nick and Roy, with our special guest Tim McGeary. He's a singer songwriter, and and a, he not only he he said he was a paramedic. He wasn't kidding. He was there at nine eleven at Ground Zero. He was there mm-hmm. for Hurricane Katrina. Like he's seen it all, so he's got a lot of experience to draw from. Here's my next question, though. So you talk about a lyric that comes to you. Do you write the music first and then write lyrics to it, or vice versa, or a little we bit of both?
0: we were just talking about this. But yeah, has, um, but uh, the,
2: th- the thing is, is like it. It, it depends. It's not. I don't have like one specific way to write. Ah. Some people say, like, I always write this way. Well, no. I mean, I have. Sometimes I hear some music and something just comes to my head. Or sometimes I hear something, or see something, or feel something. Or somebody I know. You know, I have a friend of mine that OD'd on alcohol, and I had the song called "All I Can Do Is Pray." You know what I mean? And it's just that was because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was that situation, and that came to me in my, you know, thinking about him because he he died all by himself. You know, and they found him like three days later, and you know, wow. it's just so sad. And this guy was like a. A, a movie actor successful you know it was a good friend of mine and um we wrote a lot of songs together you know so i mean stuff like that you know and then i had you know, i had a song called hold on like i lost my 16 uh 18 year old son in a car accident uh, 16 oh, years sorry. ago so i've been through that stuff you know Yeah. and there's a song called miracles you know what happened uh real quick there was uh we went out about 10 days after the uh celebration celebration, celebration of, life. of life yeah so we had this, this single white flower grew up and we've been in the house 12 years you never saw that flower before so then um a couple of days later, we called it, his name was Trevor, called Trevor's Flower. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days later, my wife went out and the original flower closed up and there was five white flowers, just like the first one. And she went to call me and when she got to the phone, the phone rang and it was a nurse from the organ the organ donation uh, organization. Right. And that, that five lives were saved from my son's gift. Oh, wow. So, I mean, like, and then we didn't five see-
0: Five flowers, five gifts. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's, a, I,
2: I, sign. I, it's I, a sign. It's a sign. And so he wrote a song called Miracles. And yeah, it's really beautiful, and uh, we had uh, Cash Creek did a, co- a cut of it, but it another guy who's was a Christian singer did. And he did it. it's awesome, but it's just it's just a beautiful thing. And and then as, you know what happened? I said ten years later, we hadn't seen the flowers in ten years, and the day of the accident, that flower came back for one day. I mean, right. I mean, dude, Talk that's like two. Chills. That's wow. not coincidence. That's like pretty much like spot on. Yeah, you know, so, that's yeah. That, yeah. Wow. And, I, and I've been through a lot of spiritual stuff, too. So
0: it's like that's yeah. like a sign. Like I'm doing OK. Everything's
2: good. Yeah, that we're, I'm here. He's yeah. always around. you. I mean, All right. So here, here's something um,
1: completely out of the left field. Do you sing in the shower or in the car when you sing, when you practice, which is your car, the car? Is your, the car? Uh, why?
2: a car is a great place, to, especially to like to look at lyrics. If you get like music going and you have like maybe a chorus idea and then like you're driving and you just, eh, and then, you know, and then I go, oh my God, it's good. Like just happened today. I was like, I was, I, all of a sudden I'm driving. I, go, I got this idea in my head. I go, and I was driving, but I had other people in the car, so I couldn't right. do But I'll do like, <laughs> yeah. I get my little voice memo. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I have of them. I don't want
0: and my know, wife has screaming in the background, Tim. My <laughs> wife is like, stop doing that. We're in a plane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the in-flight entertainment is Roy dabbling with some lyrics and melody. And you
0: said, do you sing in the shower or the car? What I do is I put the convertible down while it's raining and I do both. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I asked that because both places have great acoustics, right? A lot of people like to sing in the shower. They don't sing well in the shower, but they love to sing in the shower because well, of the acoustics.
2: Sometimes, like our... Where my wife's like, she'll be in bed, and and the, and the bathroom's right over, you know, off the bathroom, and yeah. it is a good acoustic. Yeah. And a lot of times I would do stuff like, and she used to love to hear because it, it was like, you know, I likes reverb and you know it's that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, yeah. Do, I mean, she's like, my wife's like, she's like, she's totally like, tells you guys, feels like that song sucks. Stop doing it. Like, she well, has you no know what? Problem.
1: We're also blessed with that because Roy's wife and my wife also have a critical ear. Like, we'll do something, we we'll, and we think it's like hysterical, and they go, yeah, yeah it was all right. I'm like okay, yeah. back yeah. to the drawing board, you know. So we love the way our our beds are really comfortable. So we listen to what they tell us, their suggestions, and that's so we true. go back to the drawing board. But but having that but having that critical ear is important because they're not doing. I mean, they're doing it in in their best interest. They're not looking to really. You know, well, take my a shot. wife
0: is always right when she's around. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah. Happy life, happy wife. In in and Roy's household,
1: it. he is the boss in his house because Deb said it was okay. Now I have to ask you this in the, in the song I'll be there for you are you saying Deb Are you are you did you write that song for Roy's wife Deb What are you saying Deb in that no, Wait a minute what the no. hell is going on <laughs> Hold here?
2: on are you saying Deb or is it like it, I'll be there for you she, Yes I mean like I had the song called Wounded Man which was like the uh, the first song on my latest uh, CD Right and I was just in the kitchen I just had this picking thing and I, I and I didn't even know where it came from It was just I just started doing this thing. And she's like, that sounds really good. Keep doing that. You know what I mean? And it turned out to be a really cool song. Yeah. And I, and I have some really good lyrics. I, this, this guy, um, Corey Barker up in Nashville. And this guy's like a lyrical genius. Like he, like he writes every day, but he's like, I got this idea. And I said, you know, I'll go, it's wounded man. And I go this thing and he's like, okay. And I'm talking and he's like on his computer. And then he goes, he flips it around. He goes, how's your first verse? I'm like, so bitch. Look. It's like, like it's, minutes. You know what I mean? But that's his brain works. You know what I mean? So but he does and all the time. And when you
0: hooked together, when you hooked together, it just yeah, goes, yeah. And, goes we've, so and,
2: and, and we've read a lot of songs together that got a lot of records. So, you know, so yeah, it's good. Yeah.
1: So I, I'm going to ask you this. What, what do these artists have in common? Eric Clapton, Elvis, Taylor Swift, Aretha Franklin, and Jimi Hendrix. What do those artists have in common? Anybody know? Not yet. Okay. They never learned how to read music. Are you part uh, of that? the Beatles? Are you the and Beatles? The, the Beatles didn't uh, Tim, are you part of that group or have you learned how to read music?
2: I, I don't read music. It's all here. And it's funny cuz I do too. a lot I I do a lot of weird courting. like people I think like that's like really weird court. Like this, this guy Nolan Neal, is a good friend of mine. He was on AGT and The Voice and stuff and he yeah. he passed away this year. It was really sad. But oh. um he uh he got like that's a Tim McGarry chord. <laughs> he has these things. He goes, goes awesome. with some kind of like weird harmonic thing. I mean, I I love doing those kind of like. I'm a real huge Beatle fan. As Roy will tell you, when he comes in my room, there's Beatles here, Beatle, you know. I have a picture of John Lennon. He's got the New York shirt like this, you know. He's sitting like that, yeah. and I have, and he's like looking at me, and it's like so. When I'm writing, I look up, then I go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a good one. I promise, you know. What would
0: like, John do? Yeah, what would John do? <laughs> like, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> what would John do? Huh? gives me this gives me the stare i better get my going so um but no it's just you know i just i love music because it connects people you know what i mean i mean you know i I mean you know you get fifty thousand people and everyone's got like you know different religions different colors different sexual identities blah 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 and when the music comes on everyone's one no one's thinking of the differences. It's just you know digging the music. And think how powerful that is, putting fifty thousand people into like that state of like trance. Yeah. And and you know I mean it's great. Did you
0: ever see? Did you ever see the uh, the uh, movie about Queen? Uh, yeah. Where yeah. Eddie, uh, where Freddie Mercury's talking to the band and he's like, "Did you see that? There was fifty thousand people. They were all stomping their feet at the same time. Boom, boom."
2: boom boom, boom. boom. <laughs> yeah well that was, that was the whole thing was, let's make the audience part of the band that's so brilliant yeah, i mean it's, and yeah. that, i do so a lot cool. of that i do a lot of that making people sing with me you know what i mean even yeah. original songs they, they get, make it simple but they love that and once they start singing with you you know you got them i mean they're like you're there you have them and you know you're you know
0: you know that they have a shirt that says ww jd what would jesus do but now uh, tim has changed it to what would john, john do what would john do yeah exactly
1: so uh when you before you perform do you still have butterflies in your stomach not really no you just go out there uh, and you. Just,
2: well i mean i've been doing it so long i mean i yeah. guess if i got like you know some kind of like you know if i stepped in front of like ten thousand people maybe but actually once i start singing it's yeah. you know i mean it I'm doing it so long, you know. I mean, I, I I got my stage chops going on, you know what I mean. I I'm yeah. not, I don't I don't mean like like to be cocky and everything, but like you do it as long as I've been doing it, you know. You know what you're good at, you know. And and I can't sing everything, you know what I mean. Like I I know I have a wheelhouse. I know what I can get away with. I know what I can sing. Sure. You know, I I tune my guitar a whole step down, so it gives me so I get like you know it's good good free and and um and I'm good at good at what I do, you know what I mean. And I'm and I'm a good storyteller because I've been old as hell and I've lived. A pretty full life done a million things you know i've been through some i mean i'm 36 years clean and sober i was free basin back then you know yeah. 80s you know on the road with billy idol you know what i mean yeah, yeah. 83 84 yeah. so you know i get hooked so but i you know i've been clean and sober since then I, you know, I've been through bankruptcies, losing my house, losing a son, you Nick know. Nick
0: doesn't drink either because he's just naturally drunk.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's good, man.
0: That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I drink that's now the and, way to do it.
1: I drink now and again. <laughs> I'll have one now again and then again and again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's
0: funny, though, what I find that's really funny, like, you get in front of an audience and, and like, after, like you said, doing it for a while, the, you know, when I first started singing again, it, was, it felt weird to be out right. there again. But as years pass, three, four years of you doing, you know, kind of kind of the same act, so right. so to
2: speak. Right.
0: But you're feeling it's not like you're nervous that how they're gonna accept you. It's how the audience is accepting what you're doing and how you're gonna tailor it. To match that feeling of the audience that right. night, almost it's so weird. It's almost like you're testing the audience. You're, well, you you're,
1: con- you're connecting with the audience. I mean, I, I do a lot of emceeing, and and uh, I mean, my performance is just my mouth. That's not it? me singing. It's me, you know, speaking. But um, we, um, it's the same thing, because you connect with the audience. And once you connect with the audience, it's, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, before we let it. you go, Tim, I want to ask no, no, one last I'm thing.
2: Good. I'm good for a couple little minutes, but I so think
1: i got to go. So any message you want to give to some budding uh, singer-songwriters? Like, any words of wisdom? Let it be, let it be. I, I, do,
2: work <laughs> with, <laughs> I do work with a lot of um, young songwriters or new songwriters. And what I tell them is, write every day. Write everything down because you never know. Even and write and even if you're like write a to song today, it's not really a good song, but you might have a line in that song. You know what I mean? Yeah, every time you feel for the next that, that yeah. like you might well, you know I, I don't have a line, but oh man, I meant that one song I had. It was like that one good line. It was cool. Let me pull that out and then I could put it in this one. Um, another thing too is every time you play, it's a hundred percent, man. You bring it every single time. There's no like halfway doing it or I have a bad. There ain't no bad days. I mean, I—I I mean, I, I've had stuff like when I was on—we were on with missing persons, and I had the flu, and i i I, and I, I had to go on. So I like—I got up, I threw up, washed my mouth out, went did the show. You know, I—I I was ready to puke again. Take my bass guitar, I threw it to the roadie. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, that. Yeah. But there was no, there's no not going on. And unless no, you're like, yeah. I mean, you just do it, and every time you do it, you bring it 110 percent every single time and if you do that and then open and then listen and learn like you know um if you're a young songwriter and you're playing your guitar take guitar lessons it makes you do things you haven't done before take some vocal lessons you know so you can like because a lot of people like they don't you know they'll sing and they're like man i can't after like 30 minutes i'm wiped out well that's because you're singing wrong you know what i mean yeah. you know you, sh- you should be able to bring like a couple hours if you know how to do it in good breath and stuff and where to do it you can sing longer you don't have to like kill your throat so i mean all these little things and then just and then it's just you know listen and learn and, and you know and be open and in this profession if you think you know everything you need just get done done pack done. it
0: up pack yeah, it, up. it up you're always <laughs>
2: learning you know what i mean <laughs>
1: Well, Tim McGarry, we want to thank you very much for spending some of your time. It's been really fascinating stories. We'd love to have you back because I'm sure <laughs> in all the many years that you've performed, you've performed. I mean, there are many more stories. I'm sure. Oh yeah, uh, stuff that we can. Uh, we well, this is a PG-13 podcast, but that may <laughs> that may change the next time. But we certainly had it was a delight to have you on our show. Thank you for sharing your, some of your uh, your insights, and your inspiration about songwriting, and we're looking forward to uh, more of your stuff. Where can people find your stuff? Do you have a website that people can go? To and, and sample your stuff
2: uh, uh tim mcgarry on youtube he's like that i have a bunch of videos on there you can go to um that's my 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 website but i'm not really good at keeping it going or just right. on facebook and yeah. if you want to you want to say hello like tim mcgarry music you know just on facebook say hi you know and uh, dm me you know give me a direct message or or a private message and you know and i'll get back to you great also too like and you know a lot of times too like i get some people that are friends of mine and when i get a new song out i just send it to them you know, here's the videos, that kind of stuff. You know, so I'll send you anything to new.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, you know what? We'll we'll definitely uh, connect once again, and uh, we're going to make sure that when you have something new, let us know. We'll let our audience here, and uh, when we have this uh, this episode up on our website, we'll have a link to uh, to your website as well, so we can connect. Oh, with thank you. you
2: so much. I'll share it to
0: everybody. Yeah, so, and when uh, and when. Tim and I finish working on this song, we'll play yeah. it too. And yeah.
1: hopefully I'll yeah. be the MC on stage and the award goes to <laughs> Tim <laughs> McGarry and Roy Lacasio. <laughs> awesome. Tim McGarry, All thanks right. very much. Uh, we hey, really thanks. appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you,
2: Tim. All right, talk brother. All right, man. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, Tim. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy.
0: today is history. What happened That singer sounds so familiar. Yeah, is that uh, what's his name? Yeah, It is. Uh, yeah, it is. Wrote all that '60s music. Yeah,
1: actually, he's uh, it's Bob Dylan, of course. That's a but well, that wasn't Bob Dylan, but it was a that's Bob Roy Dylan. Dylan. That's Roy, Roy Dylan. Dylan. And Bob, Bob Dylan is one of the um, singer songwriters that I asked him about if he was part of that group. Bob Dylan also did not learn how to read music.
0: Yeah, he was another one in that 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 thing. Huh? Yep, Vladimir. Now, he is the first, first responder. That's hard to say. He's the first, first responder Mm -hmm. to the Chernobyl nuclear power plant on April 26, 1986. Oh. That was the day that the plant blew up. Right. The radioactive leak was so strong that when Vladimir came out of the structure his friend noticed that his eyes had turned from dark brown to light blue. Oh, yes. Now, of course, 15 days later, Vladimir died, oh. <laughs> which is terrible. It's too sad. But he was the first first responder to get there. And the, the um, it was so strong. The nuclear power was so strong that it literally turned his eyes from brown to blue. Well,
1: it's interesting you opened up with that because I have one here that's sort of similar to this. It's not the same fact. But this man, uh, Sutomu Yamaguchi, was a 29-year-old mm-hmm. naval engineer. He basically checked out people's navels. Uh, <laughs> he survived the atomic bomb on August 6, 1945. Yeah. Despite the fact he was less than two miles away from ground zero. Really? On August the 7th, the day after, he boarded a train back to his hometown of Nagasaki. On August the 9th, while being with his colleagues at an office building, another boom split the sound barrier. A flash of white light filled the sky. Yamaguchi emerged from the wreckage with only minor injuries. He survived two nuclear blasts in two days.
0: Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
1: Tsutomu Yamaguchi.
0: Don't it make your brown eyes blue? Yes, it
1: does. And you're wondering, <laughs> did he did he die of, uh, he did die eventually years later, but not of any radiation. He had stomach cancer. It had nothing to do with the blast, but uh, yeah, no. he, he survived the tube.
0: Get ready for this one. Yes. In ancient Asia, okay, they didn't know how to um, execute people. So they said, how could we best execute people and make it as horrible as possible? Hmm. So they trained elephants to do all kinds of horrible things to the people that were tied up on the ground. The elephant would come out and stand on its leg, the person's leg, crush their head, crush their arms, their Mm. bodies, their torso. But then they even got more fancy and they attached knives to the tusks of the elephants (laughs) who began to slowly stab the person that was tied to the ground. Wow! So needless to say, Asian people don't commit many crimes <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: But when they do. they
0: do they usually have a pocket full of peanuts
1: you talk about an elephant <laughs> in the room <laughs> So, remember that old joke? Uh, I forget the, the exact details, but basically it was a guillotine was involved in this joke, and three people were about to be executed. You is know, Is it a
0: guillotine or a guillotine?
1: A guillotine, because uh, they were guilty. <laughs> they were guilty of their crime. Unless Gill's
0: head is sticking in it. <laughs> That's right.
1: So, I think it was a French invention. It was a French way to, exit to behead people. Oh, so, yeah, well, basically, the wee oui, wee oui, oui, oui. Oui, yes. And uh, so, the, the law said that if, for whatever reason the uh, contraption malfunctions they are set free and so the first one goes up and they pull the rope and the guillotine stops like an inch away from the guy's throat they let him go the second prisoner comes up puts his, his head there they take down the rope and the guillotine stops and then the town idiot goes up there we've got to keep this this way uh the town idiot goes up there and he says no 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 i'm not going in there until you fix that machine
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now in uh, in the, the first part of the show before we talked to tim um and I, by the way i had a lot of fun with tim tim McGarry, we talked about some stories i really can't wait to have him back because he has a lot of great stories but i talk about the fire extinguisher who patented first but here's some history for most of history the first the most widespread fire extinguisher of any kind was a bucket of water stored next to the stove or on the front porch Mm. In about 200 B.C., yeah, 200 B.C., Tessibius, uh, Tessibius, I think, of Alexandria invented a hand pump able to deliver water to a fire and is known that the Romans used bucket chains, buckets passed hand to hand to deliver water to the fire. Then in the Middle Ages, squirts began to be used to apply jets of water to fires. The squirt would rather, it was like a bicycle pump. And the charged squirt would then, was directed at the fire and the plunger pushed the water through and the squirts were used even in the 1666 Great Fire of London. Wow. The
0: Great Squirt. The old squirter. Yeah. that's what They used to call me in high school. <laughs> in just... the 19th century, Nick. Yeah. Especially after the Battle of Waterloo, which was horrific, horrific. There was Thousands and thousands of dead soldiers laying around. But here's the real sadistic part of it all. Groups of dentists would run out onto the battlefield after these major battles and pull out all the teeth from the dead bodies and place them into boxes, at which time they would go back, clean them up, and then place them into dentures that would then go into people's mouths whoa so i guess it was the first form of kind of like organ doning because these people were <laughs> their teeth were going into somebody else's mouth so even though they were dead they would go on to eat some more yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs>
1: wow okay so they use dead people's teeth for uh teeth for dentures. real teeth yeah. we
0: used in dentures. and most people we we had said once on the show that george washington did not really have wooden teeth no Although there was some wood involved in the dentures that he had. Yeah. Most of the teeth were actual teeth from dead people. Yeah, they were.
1: So basically mm-hmm. what you're saying is he had wood every time he smiled?
0: No, but the, uh, I, I knew a, a piece of corn that was like that movie when the corn went towards the mouth. And said, I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> God.
1: Uh, you know what? It was a kernel. <laughs> he was a colonel. Uh, wasn't a general. You know, was a. He came from a colonel. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so here we're going to rewrite history here on totally this Information with Nick and Roy. General Washington's te- teeth were like corn niblets. They were because they came from a colonel. There you there go. You go. Uh, that Althingi, Althingi, the Icelandic Parliament, was established in the year 930. That means you think he You think he? I know. I know. He. that. old thingy. In 9.30, so this means, not 9.30 this morning, I'm talking about in the year 9.30. That means mm-hmm. it is not only... Nick was there. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was there promptly at 9.30, because you know me. <laughs> that means it is not only the oldest establishment in Iceland, but also the oldest running parliament in the world. Ooh. Even though Althingi is now located in a classical 19th century building that was not always the case in begin with, it was an outdoor assembly held... And the most powerful leaders in Iceland came there to dispense justice and decide legislation and so on. As all free men were allowed to attend the assemblies, they were the biggest social event of the year, drawing people from around the whole country at these events.
0: You know, Nick, I read a lot. It's mm-hmm. usually Playboy magazine, which I get for the stories. Of course. But no, I do read a lot. And I was just reading about the Dutch. And how the Dutch and, of course, the Icelandic people, you know, the Dutch, and it's kind of like a a, a whole hereditary type thing that moves down the, the, the years. But the Dutch really did change the world. They created monetary systems and banks and shipping companies and corporations. Basically, everything that we know about capitalism was invented by the Dutch. There you go. Does that mean
1: that is that, that, is that what the expression came from? You go Dutch now, you pay your own? Uh, maybe, maybe sure. not
0: yeah not sure. pretty pretty much um like pretty much like most of Nick's dates <laughs> yes. And then I provide him with
1: a Dutch oven. You ever do that in bed with Dutch oven? You know what that is?
0: No, I don't want to know, Nick. Okay.
1: <laughs> according to some studies, according to some on um, un- yes. un- um, uh, according to some sources. He's unaccredited unaccredited that's the word i was looking for
0: Thank <laughs> unaccredited you.
1: Sources. you know his credit was so bad when <laughs> he used
0: pretty much all of us <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> that's right
1: exactly it's totally useless <laughs> information with uncredited sources what else would you expect <laughs> yeah. so according to some uncredited sources a dutch oh. oven in bed is when you well you pass some gas and then you take the covers and then you put it
0: over your spouse's head stop I, I haven't had my my coffee this morning oh I guess yeah so <laughs> all you have to do is go to our
1: website like we said we go you go there and you can even send us an email and we, what's the website again
0: it's nick what's in the mail babe? what's in the mail
1: it's a lot of canadian content on the show today but it's not really uh, on purpose but don't worry wait till you hear about the news from around the world it's not in canada yes. mm-hmm. no no uh maria from ottawa ontario which is uh, canada's uh, capital that she listens to us on cfra on the iHeartRadio radio talk network we're on coast to coast to coast in canada as well as 69 different countries now 69 different countries so i love that number uh <laughs> dear nick and roy we love listening to your show every weekend on the radio it really helps me relax at night don't worry. What I mean is it doesn't put me to sleep. It helps me think. You guys are hilarious. Now, recently, Roy's favorite president of all time, Joe Biden, visited Canada. Boy, she knows okay. you so well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was amazed, she writes, by the motorcade. Can you tell me where they keep the president's limo when he's not using it? Well, That's a great the question.
0: The beast. They call they, it the beast. They
1: call it the beast. Well, Maria, thank you very much. So, the president has 12 identical limos in rotation and when they're not in use they're parked in the basement of the secret services headquarters and of course they're on the 24 hours surveillance and at least two cars travel with the president wherever he goes and get this here's the gas mileage you're thinking okay you they call it the beast the gas mileage on these limos the presidential limos a whopping 3.7 miles to the gallon
0: Okay, I got one even better for you. Here these people are squawking and going on, jabbering on for hours after hours about the environment. And there's sixty five cars in the motorcade using more gas than anybody else. Plus they stop all the other cars who are idling there waiting to get home. Right. Oh my God. Hypocrites, I tell you, hypocrites all of them. Yes, a pox on their ancestors.
1: <laughs> okay, you feel better now. Anyway, thank you. Well, thank you, Maria, really, for setting Roy off. But thank you for your email as well. We really appreciate. I love,
0: it. I love old Joey boy. Oh yeah. Joey, I, Listen, I, man. I tell you, man. Listen, I man. tell you, it's no lie. All right, I got Marilyn from Asheville. I believe it's South Carolina. I okay. didn't. It, it's should Road, Asheville, Carolinas. Okay. But Asheville, I've been there. It's a beautiful place. It really is. It's in the mountains. It's gorgeous. And uh, very, very pretty, artsy town. Love it there. Love uh,
1: it, Matt. It's North Carolina, by the way. I just looked it up while you yeah, were Yeah, North
0: Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Okay, great. Really super place. Great place to go, folks. Go. Well, Marilyn, she says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Four thank yous from Marilyn, which I think is really nice. Yes. She said, my husband, Joe, Loved his birthday message so much. She said he can't stop talking about it. She said it is honestly one of the most inexpensive gifts I've ever bought him. But it is the best gift I ever got for my husband. So again, thank you. And thanks to you, Roy and Nick, for doing these for people. It's a service. And I thought that was so nice that she said it like that because we really do. We, we think it's a great thing. The birthday gift, you can get them on nickandroy.com just by going to the Nick and Roy store. Yeah. And uh, listen to the sample. Marilyn thank you thank you thank you thank you
1: <laughs> and your husband thank you as well on well, the show thank
0: you, we
1: well it's like three cheers we get four thank yous um on the show today we talked about inventions we talked to tim mcgeary the musician he's a musicist as my dad would say in music we talked about history it's time for the news Oh
0: no! i'm around the corner and around the world this Is TUI news.
1: A woman is in hot water after she, quote, popped a squat. Literally.
0: Was she in a jacuzzi?
1: She was in a Florida residence yard. Uh We we have trespassing. Florida
0: again. Not traditional
1: trespassing, Polk County Sheriff Grady Judge said. It involves a lady that's gone into a neighborhood on Lake Winterset. She's okay. gone into the side yard, into the hedge area, and she's popped the squat and showed us her shiny rear end.
0: Is she just showing the rear end, or is she dispensing of things?
1: She has dispensed and then showed her shiny rear end, according to Sheriff Grady Judd. She Before
0: said, or after the dispensing?
1: He wasn't clear, but he did say this, that a woman stepped but off. But she was clear. Cleared out, (laughs) I tell you It was Well, what happened was According to Sheriff Grady Judd The woman stepped off a boat Walked onto private property To do her private business
0: Oh, so she was on like a canal She got off a boat Because she had to do a little She had to drop a deuce And uh, she decided There's a nice little spot Between the houses, I guess
1: Authorities are now looking For the woman to believe Now, let's check this out This, This happened a few weeks ago, authorities are now looking for the woman, believed to be a spring breaker. Uh, so she's she's down she's there. She's a
0: log breaker, a log <laughs> jam breaker.
2: <laughs> she, she
1: trespassed to relieve herself on March 16th at approximately 4 p.m. Now, th- this information is important because I'll, I'll tell you that later in the story. But the woman was spotted on surveillance video walking into the yard, briefly looking around,
0: mm-hmm. quickly
1: looking and finding a hedge before leaving the private
0: property and yeah that's yeah she she left some some of her own personal stuff on the private property as well now according to heartland they do dna testing of this not
1: quite yet but the heartland crime stoppers people said we can tell we can call her the spring break squatter because she Mm -hmm. did her business during spring break she walked Mm -hmm.
0: onto private property in the gated community no less in a gate, well, of course, it's a gated community, but not the canal. My, I, I live in a gated community, but if you come up the canal, it's not gated. Okay, so they'll pull if you decide me. to pull up a stool, so to speak, in my yard, <laughs> 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 that's right. Pull up a stool and stay a while. I know. <laughs> so,
1: now, in my teaser, I said this is the squatter's right. So. Polk County Sheriff's Office and Heartland Crime Stopper stressed that the squatters are an ongoing problem on Lake Winterset in Winter Haven, Florida. So she's not the mm. only one. What if somebody mm. stopped what if somebody stopped their car or their boat and walked up into your yard and started doing the number one thing or the number
0: two thing in your hedges? I have a shotgun for that. <laughs> you know? Okay. The Polk- and I also, just for effect, I put on the song, Yeah, Tootsie 2 roll. I'm a Tootsie roll. <laughs>
1: So the Polk County Sheriff's Office has asked if anyone recognizes the woman, go to their website, and then you can call the Sheriff's Office at 863-298-6200. What that again, Nick? 863 area code
0: 298
1: 6200 in Winter Haven, Florida.
0: So now we can take a tax deduction for doing, like, a service, uh, well, public service announcements? This is Crime
1: Stoppers. Crime Stoppers. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: if, if anybody's seen the old fudge dropper. You can, <laughs> you can also
1: remain anonymous and also be eligible for a, hey, wait a minute, this could be an incentive. Wait, you, there's a reward? You can be. You get a year of toilet paper? Listen, free toilet paper. you can also <laughs> remain anonymous and also be eligible for a cash reward by contacting the Heartland Crime Stoppers. Oh, so if you call that number, you could be eligible for a cash reward. 863-298-6200, the Polk County Police Department. And they yeah. say this, we'll put her shiny
0: rear end in the county jail where it belongs. That's right. We'll put it right in the Polk County Jail. And I tell you, there's a reason why they call it the old Polk County Jail. <laughs>
1: That's all the time we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information. I got information. news
0: for the poker that's going to be there. He's got something to for from poker. He's got a
1: poker hardly killed her.
0: <laughs> I hope there's cameras in that jail. She might squat right there. Yeah,
1: she'll show. She will show her shiny rear end. Yeah, she it <laughs> sounds like let I it have.
0: Shine <laughs> it shine.
1: <laughs> It sounds like I have some dentures myself.
0: Listen, Nick. Spring breaks out of hand here in Florida. I can't. I I went down there and I said to my wife, I said, listen, I can't stand. I have to check this out. And I stood for hours watching these horrendous girls walking by half naked.
1: All for the sake of this research. All for for the sake of this program. That's right. Which is Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We thank you for listening. We will scour the internet and check out Hedges and other parts of Winter Haven, Florida to get totally useless information just for you.
0: And until we see you again next week, tell all of your half-naked friends about us. In fact, send us half-naked No, fictions. you don't. I'm Nick. <laughs> no, don't send us half-naked pictures. No. Fully naked pictures. <laughs> like I said, I'm Nick. And I'm going to jail. And I'm Roy.
1: We don't know why, but really, thanks for listening.
2: Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.